Welcome to Sport Faith Life. I'm Chad Carlson. And I'm Brian Bolt. We're two guys from rival schools who came together with one common purpose, to think deeply about sport and faith. We're sports scholars, we're coaches, and we're competitive athletes, or at least we were. And together, we've created Sport Faith Life, a conversation that meets at the intersection of sport and faith. Today on Sport Faith Life, we talk with Matt Hoven, professor at St. Joseph's College at the University of Alberta. Matt, with a few friends, is releasing a new book titled On the Eighth Day, A Catholic Theology of Sport. Matt is a man of God, a deep thinker, and he still finds time to build a hockey rink in his backyard every winter. There's lots to talk about, so let's get started. Well, we are so excited to have back on the show Professor Matt Hoven, St. Joseph's College, University of Alberta. Um, Matt, we are we're excited to have you back here, and uh, wondering if you can share with us, Matt, you know some some new stuff, sport in your life. Tell us a little bit about it. Okay, yeah. Well, thanks for uh, having me again, uh, Brian and Chad. It's uh, always good to see you, hear your voices. Um, yeah, for me, uh, I guess the big news on, on this front is that uh, I'm still teaching a course on sport and religion at, at St. Joe's at the U of A. And now uh, with a couple of colleagues at Creighton University, we put together a book on the eighth day, A Catholic Theology of Sport. And um, so it's been a project over the last few years, and, and we're really happy it's it's coming out shortly. Well, we're so excited about the book, and that's that's going to be much more of our discussion coming on uh, later in the show here. Um, so tell us a little bit about about uh, any any updates in terms of sport and faith personally with you. I know that the book will be a, a combination of the two things, but hey, what, what else can you share with us about that? Uh, yeah, so um, my, my life in sport is I've, I've got kids right now that uh, in soccer, track, hockey, you name it. Um, it's we're just kind of I'm, I'm being the parent and getting roped into coaching here and there. And that's that's been uh, it's it's good. The pandemic is is hopefully on the wane and and uh, doing that. And then of course, um, doing the faith thing. Uh, it was it was somewhat different. Used to going to church on Sundays, and then we were uh, stuck at home doing home church, which uh, as a Catholic is not something you're supposed to do. But the Archbishop allowed it, and uh, so so that's kind of been our life. It's it's been kind of neat to have more family time together to to uh to pray and and uh and and to meet like that and so that's that's uh kind of the two worlds um i i guess i don't know whenever i play sport in some way i think of faith and just the engagement of play and beauty and the order of it and the questions of, of the moral questions that come up so um i guess that that's just my little way of doing it yeah, Matt, it is great to see you again. It's always wonderful for us to talk to you, and we really appreciate your engagement with Sport Faith Life. Um, we know that you have a lot of things going on, and I think you started to give us a little sneak peek into the book a little there. But before we get there, I know you're very much in the middle of that sweet spot of life with your kids, kind of in that age where they're playing sports and you're driving around and participating in lots of things. What else is happening in your life? Give us one thing maybe that the listeners wouldn't know about you, something something that helps us get to know Matt Hoban. Right. Uh, the, the other thing that I do in my life is uh, I, I was a teacher previously, and uh, I'm an educator. And uh, as, as I was thinking about how, how I ended up uh, working in this field, it was really as a teacher. 
Um, I, I love the studies. I always loved school growing up. And then it was, um, I decided to be a teacher. And one thing that struck me uh, working with young kids, because uh, I was trained to be an elementary teacher, was just their enthusiasm, their um, mischievousness, uh, their, their cleverness, but they're, they're wanting to, to know and understand things. And, and when they understood something new, say, say I had my lab coat on and I was a grade six science teacher, you know, their eyes would light up. And it, it always struck me, their enthusiasm and just, um, just a, when, when another world opened up for them. And, and, uh, and, and I think that kind of carried me. I always like to learn and, and to, to know new things. And, you know, so I go on to get my PhD. And, and as I'm working with teachers to how, how to teach uh, religion, how to teach faith in Catholic schools, I start teaching a course on sport and religion. And I engage this thing called play. And I realize that um, this idea of play is foundational to sport is really foundational to religion. And it was this neat, neat combination that I've been able to play with the last decade or so. Yeah, and that's a that's a fascinating entry into some of the conversation that we'll probably have today about your new book on the eighth day, which I love the title, uh, a Catholic theology of sport and. You know, uh, we know about those first six days, and and then on the seventh day, uh, God rested, which is a great place to sort of spend some time and really think about how that first action after the creation of the world uh, for humanity, for those made in God's image, is to to rest. Uh, a very interesting concept. But you you're jumping ahead now to eighth day, and I, I feel like on the eighth day we're rolling up our sleeves and we're getting to work. What do you think? Well, yeah, you know, well, traditionally, the eighth day then, as you said, rested on the seventh day, which would have been the Sabbath, the Saturday, and then it's the next Sunday. Uh, and that Sunday, the eighth day, is the day that that, that Christ resurrected. So it makes a, a, a new day, a new world. And so Christians always met on the eighth day. And it's a new way of looking at things. It's a new way of seeing life. Uh, and and so that's what we wanted. When we took the title, we thought, well, let's have a new way of looking at sport or people that haven't really thought about it enough. Now, when we when we came up with the title, it, it came back actually to, to my childhood. Um, we I grew up in Canada, and of course, we liked watching the hockey night in Canada. And I remember one game, it was probably a Saturday night, and there was a banner up in the stands. And of course, I was cheering for the Edmonton Oilers, and Wayne Gretzky was there at the time. And there was a banner that that was uh, I, it was on a white sheet, probably a bed sheet, and painted on, and it said, "On the eighth day, God created Gretzky." Right. Yes. And and so when I, I I remember as a kid, I marveled at that, and I thought, "Did did God really make Wayne Gretzky <laughs> on the eighth day?" Like, I kind of believe. Yeah. You know, when you when you're like seven years old, you, you kind of believe it, but you know that seems ridiculous. And and my family probably laughed. And I asked, what was this? Did it really? And, you know, I got this. I didn't get a clear answer from my family. And But there was just this marvel. And of course, Wayne Gretzky was setting records, doing all sorts of amazing things. So he did have a sense that maybe he was somehow divinely graced mm. uh, uh, to do hockey. Well, he definitely uh, created numerous miracles throughout his career, right? I mean, I, I suppose from a hockey perspective, interesting to think about that. And interesting, that's, that's your entryway into thinking about sport and faith, or at least one way in which uh, you were able to think about such things. 
Um, so that's the title of the book, right? And, and we'll get into the content a little bit. I, I'm I'm curious about your your co-authors here, Max and Jay. If you can talk about a little bit about the origins of this project with the three of you guys working together on this. Yes. Well, we lay the blame of this project at, at uh, Jay Carney's feet. Hmm. Uh, Jay and Max uh, are teaching at Creighton University in Omaha. And, and they had, uh, they started teaching a course on sport and spirituality there. So it's a Jesuit school and they found it was difficult to have reading. So I'm teaching a course up here at a Catholic college in Edmonton. And, uh, you know, we're kind of piecing together readings. And Jay said, we need to write a book and we should write a book uh, for our classes. And, uh, and, and there's nothing really written particular on a Catholic theology of sport. And, so Jay said this for two or three years, and he kept harping at us. And finally, Max and I relented. And it was at the Congress uh, there in Grand Rapids in 20, 2019. And that uh, one evening when we had the night off, we went, I don't know, did we go to a neighboring town, went to Grand Rapids? We went out for beer and, and wings. And we sat around and had a notepad out. We kind of charted out the first uh, eight chapters. And then um, I was out for the summer uh, a year later and, and we kind of crafted out, kind of worked it out beside a pool as our kids played in the pool, we were um, trying to figure out our chapters. And then from there, it was just a matter of working together. And Jay is a, is a theologian, a historian, and Max like me is a religious educator. So he works with Catholic schools, but um, also sees connections with religious education and sport. So uh, the three of us had originally met in in, uh, in Washington at Catholic University in, in the 2000s. We did our doctorates there together and, you know, had young families and, and life and and uh, just became friends. And they ended up at the same university. And then through friendship, uh, we thought, well, we, we could probably put up with each other. And we're still friends after this project. <laughs> so it, it couldn't have been all bad. Well, what a great story for you, but also uh, kind of an endorsement of the Global Congress, an opportunity to get together as colleagues to potentially talk about uh, things that folks at our home institutions maybe don't want to talk about all that much, or we, we just can't find a whole lot of shared conversation. And the Congress turned out to be a good place for you to do that. Um, and it's exciting that when you think of that trajectory, you had a pandemic in between that Congress and now, and you found a way to not only continue on with uh, your regular work, but all of you to to write this book. So I'm, I'm eager to open the front cover and figure out uh, which direction it's going. So I wonder if you can give me sort of an overview of those chapters, uh, and then we'll sort of dive in in a few spots. Sure. Well, of course, there's eight chapters where we were smart enough to hold it there to that. Uh, we, we cheated a bit. We have an introduction and a conclusion. Uh, and then um, the introduction is just why a Catholic theology of sport, what's different about it. And then the rest of the chapters just follow the topics of a history of, of the Catholic Church in sport, then the idea of play. And then we get into some theological topics about um kind of what's God's relationship to the world in terms of what we call a sacramentality. Um, then questions about the human body and God. Uh, the next chapter is on about suffering, death, and uh, challenges in sport and the Paschal mystery, uh, Christ's death and rising. And then uh, we move into questions of, you know, kneeling on the field, praying in sport, moral questions. Uh, and then we, we wrap it up. Uh, looking at moral questions and questions of virtue, but then the side of social justice 
in, in trying to live justly in, in our lives and with others. And then we close out with a chapter on eschatology, which is the study of last things in the last days and how that relates to sports. So it's we we tried to touch on some major themes within the Christian tradition. And in doing that, we're trying to respond to questions in sport. So it's not just we're trying to um, teach Christianity through sport. It's not like an application book. But we're, we're facing questions in sport. And what we're trying to do is is say, you know, theology, faith, spirituality, that these scenes can help us understand sport and make sense of it. And, and so that's the engagement. And we, and we try to engage sport seriously. And, and hopefully people of faith that read it say, hey, like, there's some things I didn't know about sport. And, and hopefully they take it more seriously. I imagine there's going to be a section of people that read the book that say, I didn't really know that about faith either, I suppose. I mean, it seems like what you're talking about, some of the language that you're using is language that's, you know, it's it's Christianese, it's Christian speak uh, to some degree, at least. And a lot of times that Christianese is sort, of, sort of comes to us in ways that, that we don't understand sitting in the pews, sitting in, in the church, you know, on Sunday that we hear it. We understand that theologians talk about these things, but we don't exactly know, you know, we don't often use the word eschatology in our in our everyday language, right? Uh, nor with students, especially. And so, I imagine there's something for them there as well. So, uh, so let's let's pinpoint the audience here. You talked a little bit about students in your classes, but but what is it that students are getting out of your classes, and how will this book help in that regard? Um, well, I, I guess to start off with, it's always nice to have a book and and to kind of have a, a systematic look through uh, the Christian faith in something that engages sport uh, in a timely way, looking at current issues. And, and we draw a lot of sports stories or sporting examples to make sense of things. So in some ways, the book does read like um, we're trying to understand the Christian faith. And, and to do that, it's helpful to look at sport. Like, for instance, this idea of eschatology, a big, scary word. But when we break it down and we try to understand it, it it's I think it's pretty common to people in that we wonder individually about our purpose in life, but then we also wonder about what's the purpose of the world, of the universe? Is it just chaotic? Is it just by chance? Is there some kind of order to it? Is there some kind of promise or end final point? And so, um, you know, it relates to sport and that we have a, in sport, there's the final score. There's an end point. Who wins the championship? And so what we're trying to do here is just saying, um, trying to look at sport a new way through the lens of faith. And then if we do that, um, that we can love sport more, that we can um, offer critiques of it, I, I think, um, solidly and as a person of faith. And, and I think it'll, it'll lead to, to greater insight. So um, I guess the book is trying to do two things, Chad. In one way, it's trying to give greater insight to the Christian faith, but it's also trying to give greater insight to sport. And, and that's a hope for the reader. Now, if you're looking to read this, let's say you're a, a, a 13-year-old kid just curious about this topic, um, you know, if you probably pick up the book, it's going to be a little too heavy for you. Um, we, we don't try to make it complicated, but you just throw three academics together and they get serious and, you know, because it's serious topics. And so it's not, it's not like a Tim Tebow book of inspiration about sport. That's not what it is. It's looking at these questions that, that exist in sport, like moral questions. How do we face that? 
And so trying to give some principles and ideas to whether you're an athlete or a coach or a fan, how you might grapple with this, kind of giving more principles or larger ideas instead of uh, just being inspirational. You know, Matt, over the last, you know, probably 30 years or so, there's just been a, a great increase in the number of serious scholars that have turned their attention to sport, like yourself, and and uh, spent some time thinking about it. And writing uh, books that sometimes um, feel a little bit like more of a, a, a cheerleading kind of book about sport, um, kind of maybe even glossing over some of the things that we might see or feel that um, that just give us a, a, a bit of a pause about the way sport is done in society. And then there are other books that uh, really take a negative view, that are, that are pretty harsh critiques of sport. And, and I'm wondering, like, if I were to, you know, slide the scale on your, on the overall feel of your book, where, where would you put the meter? Where would you uh, say that this, this book uh, lands in terms of somewhere between cheerleader and, and harsh critic? Okay. Uh, probably leaning a little bit towards the cheerleader um, in terms of, um, I think that sport is often criticized, especially in the in by the academy, by professors. So um, we get involved in that. Uh, we make our digs at sport. I think that's only fair that uh, we realize the shortcomings. And and I think a lot of us, whether coach or athletes or fans, referees, we know there's problems. And so it's good to state those. But uh, what what we tried to use was this image that uh, Robert Johnson. Uh, uh, a theologian, he has the image of his, his two ideas. He says, you know, the kind of the sociology, the, the critical eye towards sports says, what the hell is going on? Why are we doing this? There, there are problems. Like, wh- what are we doing in youth sport? Why are we putting this pressure on eight-year-old children? Then he says, though, we also have to, at the same time, make the point, what in heaven's name is this? There is such beauty and glory in sport, um, not just a, a self-idolization, but it's it's a glory in terms of um, the beauty of people coming together and working together, welcoming people, uh, seeing excellence, seeing people break records or competing together. Um, there, there's that beauty. So we try to balance that. I, I think maybe we, we go a little bit towards a cheerleader. But I do believe that, you know, we, we, we really thought that we should ask some hard questions. And, and, and I think we do that. Well, I would say that what's indicative of the scholarship that, that the three of you have put together over the course of your careers, if this book is anything like what that has been, I, I imagine I, that you're, you're spot on with that self-assessment. It seems as though it's, there's been very measured and sort of calculated approaches to particular issues and problems related to the intersection of of sport and Christianity. And so this, this seems like it would fit within, within that, uh, that growing body of literature, you know, pr- pr- produced by the three of you. Um, I- I'm wondering if we can speak a little bit more about some of this content here that, that would maybe lean a little bit towards the cheerleader side, as opposed to the harsh critic side, you know, this isn't a, you know, if we're thinking about Cheryl Hoffman's good game, that one certainly had some really harsh criticisms. You guys are taking a bit of more of a middle ground approach you're, you're talking about theological issues uh, that are, are relatively deep, even if they're they're prevalent. You know, talking about um, you know, just the, the title is an allegory of something something deep in terms of 
uh, how God created when when things occurred. Uh, you talk about eschatology at the end. You have an introduction that's robust. You you talk about um, you know theological concepts related to God's relationship to the world. You talk about um, a, a Christian view of the body, and then you also have this chapter on social justice. And I wonder if you can share a little bit more about that. So in, in one sense. Uh, this Catholic theology would have would have that a little bit more prioritized than, say, a traditional historic uh, Protestant sensibility, for instance. Uh, so there's something that's that's theological and theologically Catholic about that. But there's also such a push um, in, in North America and in the Western world, really, towards thinking about social justice, even you know, sort of beyond the lens of one's faith. And I wonder if you can talk about that chapter within the book. It's it's its place, its position, and why that might be important in a book like this. Yeah, thanks, Chad. Yeah, it, it, that was that was one that Jay uh, he he led the writing on that one, and and we we all believed that it was just vital to have it in the book. And and I know I've even spoken with endorsers, and and I, I had one person even push back about it, thinking, you know, are you just trying to make everybody happy by having a chapter on social justice? Right? Well, of course, and we and we outline this in the chapter is is a, a couple important points is that one, the biblical tradition is very strong on social justice. When we listen to Jesus' teachings, he's challenging us to love the neighbor, love our neighbor. He's challenging us to reach out to people of different races, from different places, different people that worship God differently, even, and and challenging us to love them. That's not to say that we accept other people's beliefs, but it's a commandment to love and to pray for our enemy, right? There's there's no limit to God's mercy, and that's what God tries to cultivate in us through our baptism and Christian life, but of course, it's a life's work. So so that was one major piece. The other part is is that Catholic uh, teaching has had, for probably, uh, it's been about 130 years about, this tradition of Catholic social teaching where um, bishops or popes have spoken about specific issues. Uh, so whether it be labor unions or um, land ownership or nuclear disarmament um, and down the line, there's been teachings about that. And so the church is in this weird place where it's not, sometimes it'll come sound really left, but the next minute it'll sound really right wing. It's not, fitting within that. So if you pit it in the culture wars of today, um, sometimes Catholics sit on one side, sometimes on the other. Sometimes some Catholics sit on one side, sometimes some Catholics sit on the other of the issues. So that's what we get. So when it comes to that chapter, um, you know, we look at question of women in sport and and even uh, a minority involvement in sport. Now, it's pretty hard to tackle those questions, right? Like sociologists, philosophers, there's there's a lot of time. And I guess I feel like we just try to open it up and we try to say, um, you know, how can the Christian tradition speak to some of those? And, and from those biblical principles, from the church teaching, and just to, to challenge that. So our assumptions, whether it is that um, in one case, you might think from one side, you might say, well, you know, that's all I see. We, we need to be better at social justice. Whereas others might say, you know, this has become too much and we're fighting against it. We're trying to take this Catholic middle road. Some people might not like it, uh, but we're trying to, to I guess, 
somehow, how do we live together more peacefully and in a healthy way for our kids and for future generations? That's what it ultimately comes down to. And sport is a great avenue to want to, to wrestle with these questions. And then two, it's a way to bring people together and assist in it. Well, Matt, I appreciate that you that you and your fellow authors um, attack this issue of justice, and you thought uh, you, the, the Catholic Church has does have this rich history, um, which, um, like you said, can pit it on one side or the other in, a, in these culture wars. And, and I think you're probably trying to be above those culture wars and and focus on unity um, in that space. Uh, is there anything in particular where you think? Um, You've seen sport intersect with this in a, in a significant way. So uh, there are societal cultural issues, and then there are sport uh, aspects of that. And I'm just wondering how far you get into, I haven't read your chapter yet, but how far you get into, say, the, the use of uh, uh, private organizations for youth sport, for instance, and, and excluding certain people. How far did you get into some of those particularly uh, um tight to sport kind of questions of justice. Yeah. You know, that was the the one question we raised or of, of the two main ones in that social justice chapter, one's on money uh, in youth and college sports. Hmm. Uh, I'm not as familiar with the college sports because I'm in Canada, but I live there. I know a bit about it, but yeah, we raised the issue in youth sports, just how expensive they are, how um, prices keep going up. It seems like the system itself um, like I can speak to hockey, ice hockey in Canada. So used to have a season that lasted, you know, five, six months. Well, then the ice is taken out and the buildings sit empty. So you start having spring leagues, you start having summer camps. Then all of a sudden there's a pressure that builds on parents that we need to do this to keep up. So when my kid plays in, in the fall, that they keep up with their friends and all of a sudden, this is working, and it's not all—it's not just for sixteen-year-olds. It's going down to to twelve-year-olds, to nine-year-olds, and 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 paying a lot of money. The coaches might be volunteering in the in the uh, winter season, but then they're making money in the spring and summer. So you have—it's just like, what's going on? What's the challenge here, right? Like, like there's serious, there's serious issues. So what we try to do, uh, and I think it's a lot of principles that a lot of people of goodwill would agree with, right? So that idea of, of prioritizing participation amongst all people, trying to um, lift up some people that don't have the advantages of others, uh, that's a piece. Uh, another one is thinking of, in, instead of thinking about, um, sp- instead of thinking about sport or the individual, Catholic social teaching puts um family as a, as a core foundational unit in society. What's happening to families? And, and when we situate that, it kind of starts to look differently on some of these issues. We, we also go into some historical issues. We look at the, the Catholic uh, youth uh, organization, the CYO that started in Chicago, and it really challenged um, different, um, it, it challenged uh, race questions in Chicago uh, throughout the, the first half of the 20th century. And then Jay did some archival research in Uganda at a, at a refugee camp. And there was a priest there that was bringing um, Christians together and Muslims together to help stop the fighting and, uh, and, and finding peace in these refugee camps. And, and there's a great line in, in the book where the, 
where, where the priest says, if the kids go to their mom and dad and say, you know, that, that Christian kid is all right, that, that'll make more difference than any politician, any other teacher. So we try to weave it with stories and, and there's a, a bit of an argument, but uh, yeah, ho- hopefully just trying to show how the Christian faith can, can speak to some of these issues. Matt, I showed up to uh, my, my 10-year-old son's baseball tournament this past weekend and had to pay $10 for parking on top of the, the fee we, play, we <laughs> on paid. On top to, of the fee, come to be, on. To be on the team, the fee for the tournament, and then there's this parking fee. And I, if I had had your book, I would have I would have sort of yeah. waved that in the face of <laughs> the people taking my $10 as I pulled in that parking lot. No, I'm, I'm, so, so Patrick Kelly has done quite a bit of work, right, on, uh, on youth sport and, and Catholicism. Yeah. His, yeah, his yeah, volume. You know, books have been written on, on Catholic theology and sport. I'm just not sure they've been written in this way. There seems to be something that's sort of fundamental about what you guys are doing in this project, and that's what's so exciting about it. I wonder if you can point us and the listeners towards Maybe your favorite part uh, of the book. Is there a chapter? Is there a, a particular passage or subsection? Something where you really think, you know what? I really think, uh, I really think we did good work here. I really think people are going to like this. And and I realize that it, an answer might sound uh, less than humble, but I'm asking you to sort of promote <laughs> the content here. What's going on? What what should yeah, we specifically Chad, look I'm, for? I'm an academic. I can't be too humble. I, I was thinking <laughs> I got too many of them. I got too many. Of them. Right, page one to the end. Right, that's that's the best part. Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, okay. Well, I got to choose one here. Uh, you, you know what I like about it is is um, the chapter three looks at sacramentality, and I think it's a creative way to think about God's presence in the world, and I think it's helpful, especially in sport. And so it's it's to. Um, just like for Christians, when they celebrate sacraments like baptism, Eucharist, communion, right? It's taking water and bread, blessing it, and, it, and then it, it's made holy, and then makes the people holy, right? By participating in it. And, and what we try to do is we explain that all experience is mediated. So through language, through meanings within our culture, that when, we, when it really comes down to it, that there's no, like, we don't have a direct connection with God. It's through our human understanding and knowledge and our culture that we get to know God. And so it's, it's, it's laden in, in, in that historical reality. And, and so hopefully what we try to get at is that through human beings, um, through our life, that it points us towards God, that God is always present in and through the world. So is God more present when I'm sitting in a pub having a beer watching an Oilers game or when I'm at church on Sunday? The answer we posit is that God is always there in all cases. But when we sit in church, hopefully we have an experience that is allowing us to focus and concentrate and we can be more in touch with God than, you know, watching a, a hockey game on television. Um, and that what ultimately with the sacraments and, and with with this idea of, of God being present in our reality, it comes back to the incarnation. So we celebrated at Christmas, baby Jesus, God coming into the world, uh, becoming a person like us. And in the same way, then that's the model. And, and so from that, then we know that God can be present and found in our daily life. 
and that God is found in our human daily experience. Now, there is something called sin and there is something called evil. So it's not like we live in this in this pure world, but it gives us a sense of that God can be found in our day. Now, then we kind of lead that into sport and what that challenges us to think about sport and our experiences. So um, like me, this last summer or last winter, when I got my backyard rink made and we're skating in, in my backyard, I had no room to put the snow because it took up the whole lot. But um, just to be out there, the sky's black, the stars are out, the lights are on. Um, we're laughing, we're having fun, um, we're messing around. It's just, it's not that I think that, um, that that's church for me, but I just know God's there, you know? And just like I can, when at the end of my day, if I think back through my day and reflect, I know God has been present in different ways. Now, sometimes it's nice and glorious like that. Sometimes God gives me a kick in the butt to, to get moving or to challenge me too. But that's, I, I like that chapter. We fought about where that chapter would go in the book. And, and I guess I liked it in chapter three and, and Max and, and Jay were good enough to go along with it because I think that's really central to a Catholic understanding and it kind of, un, in a lot of ways, it influences the book. Matt, um, I think you've whetted our appetite to this book. Uh, that uh, sacramental chapter is going to be fascinating. I, I heard in it a lot of themes that would, would show up in, in a reformed book on um, uh, Christianity and sport. And so uh, I, I I really look forward to reading the rest of it, reading that chapter and the rest of it. You you wanted to jump in, uh, yeah. If I could just say one yeah. thing about that, because I I, we, I taught some of the rough draft chapters to to students, and many of them aren't Catholic at my college, and so we had this dialogue. And and just because it is Catholic in the title, I guess it's from that point of view. But we're really ecumenically minded, and it's not a book that's trying to say Catholics are better, or we're we're trying to say. These are the gifts, gifts that the church has, that the Catholic church has. And it's, it's an offering of those. And, and hopefully there's discussion and dialogue. And, and I, you're right. There's a lot in common, absolutely, between the traditions. Yeah. And I, I'm just so grateful that you uh, pulled this together. Um, it's, uh, it's taken in that spirit. And it's exciting to just see um, the synergy, right, as a as, uh, the incarnate Jesus brings us all together, and that is a um, that's a testament in uh, in your book. But also, we see it in uh, in the way that Christian communities come together. Uh, and this opportunity through your book is is going to help Christian communities come together in and through sport. So we're very thankful that you uh, not only wrote this book, but you took a little bit of time to. Talk us through it. We really appreciate having you on Sport Faith Life, and uh, we're really excited. Can you let us know uh, where we might find it? Yeah, so the book is published uh, by Whitf and Stock, W-I-P-F and Stock, and uh, it'll be on their website. It, it, the website should be up in June, and uh, it'll be published in July. Um, they're quite they're a more affordable publisher, so we're uh, hoping that that the average lay person can uh, shell out a few dollars and uh, and purchase it. It'll be about 200 pages, so it's not it, it's substantial, but it's not too much. Yeah. Well, we're really excited, Matt. Thanks so much for joining us. Um, and we just look forward to seeing you at the ne- next Congress in Cambridge in August this year. We'd love to uh, Same uh, here. share a pint there as Looking well. Looking forward yeah. to it. Sounds great. Absolutely, Brian. Thanks, Chad and Brian. 
Thanks for listening to the Sport Faith Life podcast. Find previous episodes at sportfaithlife.com and on Apple Podcasts. We're releasing each episode with a blog post authored by our guests. So you can find the blog for this podcast and other posts at the same website, sportfaithlife.com. Thank you.